Adam Cole, Bay Bay. It's official. He will have his in-ring debut on next week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega face off in the middle of the ring. And I got chills running up and down my spine like OGJR during CM Punk's debut. Triple H. Triple H is in the news and I want the entire community to send him prayers and well wishes. Your good thoughts, good energy as he underwent heart surgery. I've got an update on that. Plus, AEW president Tony Khan signs a brand new talent on stage right before Dynamite goes live on the air. One Lee Moriarty. Congrats, kid. You're in the big leagues now. And I've got an update on Kevin Owens, speaking of big leagues, who made a cryptic tweet. An internal belief backstage in WWE, apparently, is that KO is going bye-bye. AEW Dynamite popped off, and it was a hell of a show. But that main event was cut a wee bit too short, man. But it was still good to see Jon Moxley in his hometown, daddy. You can hear the music. I gotta say, I, I prefer John Moxley's original theme song, Unscripted Violence, but uh, it's probably a, a minority opinion because a lot of people sing along to this one here, Wild Thing. It is a good track. I just think that Unscripted Violence suited Moxley a little bit better. But nonetheless, his main event with Suzuki, man, like I said, it was cut a wee bit short. It, it felt rushed. It felt like they could have used more time. I'm going to delve into it. As, as well as all kinds of news to cover. We got the Dynamite Review popping off right here on the Highlight Reel. continues surrounding the hottest wrestling promotion in the world right now all elite wrestling you've got kevin owens over here tweeting the coordinates to mount rushmore a very clear and obvious reference to the mount rushmore stable he was a part of in roh along with adam cole and the young bucks now the tweet has since been deleted however he has since updated his Twitter profile location description with quote-unquote almost there <laughs> after he deleted said tweet. So we've got Bray Wyatt speculation running amok. His 90-day non-compete clause will be up around Halloween time this year. We now know who Brian Danielson's first feud will be seemingly after AEW Dynamite popped off last night. One, Kenny Omega. The best wrestler in the world today, as I've been saying for months now. And guess what? Kenny Omega is PWI's number 100 best wrestler in the world in the PWI 500. Roman Reigns is at number two, and he's also consistently been on my highlight reel rankings every single episode now for the past several weeks as well. 
Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson. I mean, inject this into my veins, please. <laughs> Chop it up into little tiny pieces and let me snort it. Take my money is an understatement. I need this match. We need this match. You want to talk about match of the year, match for the ages. This is it. It, it don't get no better than this. Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega are two of the best wrestlers to ever do it. And there ain't no telling when or where this match will take place, but it's gonna happen. And it'll probably be, like I said, the match of the year when it happens. I'm thinking full gear. You know what I mean? Um, that's, in my opinion, that's the more likely event this will take place. I'm thinking in Art Arthur Ashe, they're gonna probably do a, like a trios match of some sort with, um, with uh, the Elite taking on Brian Danielson and Christian Cage and Kazarian or Brian Danielson in the in the Jurassic Express I suppose and then that builds into a singles match between said Danielson and Omega at full gear um but I mean really at this point it it doesn't even matter like what the hell the card's going to look like for full gear I mean just think about it we're going to have Adam Cole CM Punk, Malachi Black, hopefully, and Brian Danielson all having matches on the same freaking card. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I might go to a movie theater again for this for this pay-per-view. It's, it's out of control, man. Absolutely insane. And uh Malak excuse me, Malachi Black absolutely must have a have a match as he missed all out. Which was disappointing because, I mean, even though at this point his big debut, big surprise debut really was kind of, it's, it's since been overshadowed, you know, by CM Punk and of course now Adam Cole and Danielson. But let's not forget Malachi Black's debut was monumental as well. And they did it so right. You know, the way they kind of teased it in the beginning when Cody was wrestling QT Marshall at the beginning of Dynamite. The lights go out during that match. And, of course, it was chalked up to, wow, it's Florida. There's a lot of weather problems in Florida. And everybody was in agreement. And everybody believed that it was just the Florida weather that caused the lights to, like, flicker. Then later on, the lights go out again when they come back on. Malachi Black is standing in the ring. And he absolutely murders Arn Anderson. <laughs> That's how you make somebody look strong, brother. But, um... Yeah, so it's it's um it's pretty disappointing that he did not have a match at All Out, but All Out was a already stacked mega card of cards. You know what I mean? If any pay-per-view deserves a, a four hour, five hour runtime, it's all out. You know what I'm saying? Um they they turn WrestleMania into two night events now, but really all out deserves that more than anything with this kind of this kind of card. Where every match feels important. You know, all the feuds, they feel real. They feel realistic. MJF, Jericho, you could actually feel the disdain. Even though they're probably the best of friends in real life. But that's the artistry. You know what I'm saying? Um, Lucha Bros, Young Bucks, you could feel the animosity. But you know, in real life, they respect each other so much. But you wouldn't know it because they try to kill each other in that cage match. Just amazing stuff. And AEW... That's what makes it so much fun to watch. 
when you have this level of importance that you feel with all the matches and all the talents and all the rivalries. And the hype continued on Dynamite last night as we had the continuation of said Malachi's destruction of the Nightmare family, a very random feud for Malachi. And it is indeed, it's been announced that he will meet Cody in a rematch come September 22nd on AEW Dynamite Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. At Queens, that's uh, that's the same city that Prince Akeem met his lovely wife Lisa, by the way. What a terrible sequel <laughs> that classic got. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, the full Rampage card is set for Friday, which includes Andrade versus Pac. And what I heard was an absolute banger. Um, I say heard because incidentally, Rampage was taped already. So it all popped off already um, following Dynamite. But I don't want to, I don't do no spoiler stuff. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to go to another podcast for that kind of content. I don't do spoilers and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I want to see Rampage live in full effect and enjoy it when it happens, experience it. You know what I'm saying? I could look through the spoilers if I want to and cover it already, but I, I choose not to. Max Caster with Anthony Bowens of the acclaimed. Uh, he will take on Brian Pillman Jr. Darby, Allen, and Sting will respond to Tully Blanchard, who cut a mean promo on them last night on Dynamite. And we get a, a six-woman trios match consisting of Britt Baker and her crew, Jamie Hayter and Rebel taking on Ruby Soho, Chris Statlander, and Riho. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's the first time ever that we see a trios match with women's wrestlers. I, I could be mistaken, of course. I could be wrong. But for me, for me personally, it's the first time I ever see a six-woman tag match on uh, AEW programming. So um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that, that, you know... They, hopefully they put on a better match than Hader and Ruby Soho did. Uh, we'll get to it later. I, I gotta say, that match was very sloppy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so... Next week's episode of Dynamite, on the other hand, will feature the in-ring debut of Adam Cole Bay Bay as he takes on the elite hunter, Frankie Kazarian. On that same episode, we will see Jade Cargill versus Layla Hirsch. Darby with Sting takes on Sean Spears and Tolly Blanchard. Uh, well, he'll take on Sean Spears with Tolly Blanchard, I should say. I don't think Tolly um, <laughs> is going to get in any fisticuffs. We'll see. Maybe him and Sting will have some interaction, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. Um, as for the show last night... Uh, besides Black versus Rhodes, we also got to see Powerhouse Hobbs in action with young stud Dante Martin. Ruby Soho made her in-ring debut in what was a match that showed a little ring rust on her end. Also, I I suppose her and Jamie Hayter just do not have any ring chemistry. Um, that's how it looked to me. We get a trios match quickly becoming a staple of all elite wrestling. Dark Order versus the pinnacle in a match i honestly did not care too much about finally the main event mjf minoru suzuki they did what they can with what little time they had uh truly a terrible time management on the show last night i gotta say that's that's the the biggest major flaw of AEW dynamite that popped off last night is the time management the main event felt very rushed 
It felt very rushed. Uh, and a match like that should not be rushed. It deserves way more time. You got John Moxley in his hometown wrestling a freaking Japanese legend that's clearly well-respected. I personally don't know the guy. Sue me. <laughs> okay, I'm not a wrestling nerd who sits around and watches every single freaking show there is, okay? So sue me. But I, I don't know who Suzuki is, but clearly he's very respected. Um, and, you know, he's got that look as well that he's a little monster, man. Like he'll, he'll legitimately whoop somebody if they come at him sideways. So <laughs> I would have liked to see that match get more time. Dustin Rhodes versus Malachi Black. This match certainly got the time. You know, Dustin Rhodes, to my surprise, would get in significantly more offense in on Malachi than I thought he would. I feel like he got more offense in on Malachi Black than Cody did back when they had their match. But then again, the Cody match is pretty forgettable to me as pretty much everything Cody does is forgettable at this point, <laughs> to be honest. Um... I think Cody should turn heel. I really do. I know he's going to have a rematch with Black. And it is absolutely a must-win match for Black. If Cody wins, that'll really sour a lot of fans. I think the way I would book it. Come, you know, Fantasy Booker. Let's play Let's play T-E-W over here. Um, I would have Black beat Cody clean once again. And Arn Anderson comes out to console Cody. Who's, um, I suppose, getting getting whooped on by Black, or maybe Black already left the ring. And as Arn helps up Cody, Cody, you know, kicks Arn in the balls or socks him or whatever. He attacks Arn Anderson and sends him down to the mat. And you have a big heel turn for Cody. That'll generate some kind of interest in the man because the man's ain't got nothing going on, man. You know, and it and it's apropos because he has a reality TV show with Brandy, so his new gimmick, he could be like a snobbish, like, oh, I, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a I'm a television star now. I'm a reality TV show star. I don't need wrestling. He could be like a, you know what I'm saying, like a a real punchable, snobbish kind of guy that you want to see get the the brakes beat out of. You know, um, I think that's the way they should go. Um, nonetheless. The matchup here would start with Malachi Black kicking Dustin Rhodes square in the chest, sending him bouncing off the ropes into a two-piece uh, clothesline from Dustin. But when Malachi shot a low kick to the leg, Dustin sold it like a champ, collapsing like a sack of potatoes. Um, there was timing issues on Dustin's part, in particular a spot in the match where Dustin sent Black to the rope, setting him up for his patented spinning power slam. Malachi would hold onto the ropes and you can see him you can see him holding onto the ropes and like a full blown 10 seconds would go by and Dustin shoots for his spinning power slam. It, it looks silly. It looked really silly to me cuz you can clearly see that Black is not going to, you know what I mean, bounce off of the ropes and come at you. Um I get I get the spot they were going for there but Dustin he's 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 getting old man you know he didn't do it on time he like stalled and then and then he remembered I guess that that was his cue to shoot for that that power slam move that he does that spinning power slam um yeah it 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 looks silly man but nonetheless 
Nonetheless, Dustin would tease the Canadian Destroyer on several occasions and finally nailed it big on Malachi, but alas, it would have no effect. Malachi would hit his Sin Eater finisher out of nowhere, knocking him out and pinning him clean down the middle. Black did not land the spinning kick. <laughs> and poor Taz on commentary was trying to, to salvage this. He was like... Oh, you know, Malachi didn't land all of it because Dustin was out on his feet. <laughs> like, no, Taz, he didn't land it because he wasn't trying to kill this, this man, you know? I, I think Dustin should not be wrestling anymore, bro, honestly. Uh, I mean, it's good to see him. Uh, it's good that he's still around. Uh, me, personally, I would not put him in the ring anymore. Um, but nonetheless, it, it, it just... It looks silly even more so because in spite of the fact that Malachi Black clearly did not connect that kick anywhere near Dustin Rhodes' head or face area. He like hit his shoulder or his back. The cameraman zooms in on Dustin Rhodes' face and he's got blood leaking out his mouth. <laughs> he clearly chewed on a blood capsule. Um, I, I, you could have done without that. Come on. You know, let's 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 not insult people's intelligence. You know, I, I really think the director of the show, who does a great job, um, it, seeing that Malachi did not land that that kick, he should have told the camera not to cut to Dustin Rhodes, you know, spitting blood out his mouth. Come on, man. You know what I'm saying? I, I would not have I would not have had the camera cut to him. Nonetheless, I cannot wait for Malachi Black to be done with the Rhodes crew. You know what I'm saying? The Nightmare Factory, Faction, Nightmare Family, whatever the hell. It's confusing, man. There's just too many factions, some of which have the same names. You know, you got the Nightmare Family and the Nightmare Factory, I think. What the one with Nick Camarado and QT Marshall, what are they? They're the Factory, right? The Nightmare Factory. Then you have the Nightmare Family consisting of... Uh, Rhodes, Dustin, Arn, I, I, I suppose Brock. I mean, it's too much. It's too much. And I, I cannot wait for, you know, Malachi Black to move on to bigger and better things. Um, like I said, I, I really hope he defeats Cody very cleanly, very easily in their match coming up at Arthur Ashe. They're going to have to do a lot more to sell out that stadium. I'm telling you right now. I know I, I heard, well, they're touting that tickets are going fast, but <laughs> it's going to take more than Cody versus Malachi Black, part two, you know what I'm saying, to fill them seats. I'm going to tell you right now. Nonetheless, the new tag team champs, the Lucha Bros, are featured in a video package exclaiming how proud they are to be the new champs of AEW and thus the best tag team in the universe. <laughs> Settle down, boys. <laughs> Don't say universe on AEW TV, please. I'm getting PTSD from hearing that word on another wrestling show once upon a time. <laughs> anyway, I love the detail Pentagon Jr., has with the title belt still carrying blood on the on the centerpiece which looks sick i tell you what they're gonna make a lot of freaking money off of the replica title when it comes out of these tag straps you know especially pentagons with the blood on it uh that's i'm probably gonna cop that honestly i'm probably gonna cop that um, I'm really getting back into collecting trading cards and, you know, things of that nature. And I'm going to try to go all out with AEW. I, I already have a few t-shirts. I bought the CM Punk 
card, uh, the e-card. I'm waiting for the physical to come out. Yeah, man, that's going to be sick. Lucha Bros are inevitably going to take on Proud and Powerful. It's going to happen. It's got to happen. It has not been mentioned, obviously. This was just a little video package of them talking about their big win. Nothing more, nothing less. But um, hopefully we see the Lucha Bros actually on TV, in the house, actually in the building, in the ring, on next week's episode of Dynamite. We then cut to another video package, this time a continuation of the Eddie Kingston-Miro feud. And rightfully so, this is a feud you don't want to cut short and you want to keep giving it some attention. Eddie basically rags on Miro for using a low blow to earn the victory and that he's going to get his comeuppance basically while Miro cut an awesome promo saying, quote unquote, you Eddie, you Eddie said we're going to walk through hell. But then you found out you can't burn a man this hot. Incredible. Incredible, man. You found out you can't burn a man this hot. Incredible stuff. He would continue. I'm going to offer your broken bones to my bride and your soul to my God. This is the word of the Redeemer. You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. Miro must win the AEW championship at some point. And you know, if it happened tomorrow, I don't think I'd be mad. I know I kind of, in the last episode here, um, reviewing All Out, I was saying everybody needs to stay the fuck away from the AEW championship because that is deserved to the hangman Adam Page. And most definitely. But I'm just saying, Miro right now, is there anybody doing it better right now? As far as a big monster heel character who just adds so much legitimacy so much credibility i mean he is in rare form right now and i cannot wait to see him smash on eddie some more and you know i was originally talking about eddie should win the tnt strap off of miro at our or in new york i don't know if the one in, in queens or the one in long island whichever venue you know is new york they're gonna support their boy you know but at this point, I think I got to retract that statement. And I think it'd be, it'd be best for business to keep the strap on Miro. Or perhaps, hey, you know what? Then again, now that I think about it, if Miro probably doesn't even need the TNT title, bruh. He probably doesn't even need it. He can lose the title and, hell, start working his way up to the world title. And it's believable. Because just look what he's doing right now. His character, his look, his charisma, I mean, he's really come into his own. I remember when Miro first started, man, you know, his run in the beginning in AEW was very underwhelming. You know, they put him with with Kip Sabian or Kip Sabian, whatever, which I thought was the most random pairing of all time. I never understood that. I mean, I did dig his The Best Man gimmick as much as it lasted, but... He's really grown and coming to his own here in All Elite Wrestling. And I'm excited, man. Um, Eddie Kingston. Yeah, what, what can I say about Eddie Kingston? Everybody loves him. I love him. Um, but right now, Miro is on another freaking level. CM Punk makes his way to the ring as the whole crowd starts singing Cult of Personality. I guess singing theme songs is a thing now. Um, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I mean, I dig it. But in some cases, uh, I don't know, I, 
it could get old perhaps i mean i think that's a good gimmick for judas um but you know for if they're gonna start singing everybody's theme song <laughs> i mean they're having a good time i guess what can i say Nonetheless, Punk pretty much talks about how wrestling is like riding a violent bicycle. You know, once you learn it, you can never unlearn it. Essentially reiterating what we already know, that, that Punk hasn't missed a beat. Now, judging by his match with Darby Allin at All Out, he has not missed a beat at all. I don't know. I, mean, I know he's part of the, the brand new show Heels, which is a, a show based around wrestling. It's like a drama, but centered around wrestling. And I guess he's actually performed in the ring on that show a little bit maybe that's why he hasn't skipped the beat i don't know but he looks great the crowd chants you still got it indeed he does he puts over the main event moxley versus suzuki exclaiming that he'll be watching it along with everybody else he greets Anne linda who is the mother of brian pillman punk calls her an angel and she would have uh, <laughs> some more interactions uh, later on. We'll get to it. Jesus Christ. MJF. Holy shit, man. I should have I covered that in the cold open there. MJF, he cuts one of the most savage promos I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, nonetheless, Punk, he would mention Ruby Soho, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson. The crowd begins to chant, yes, of course. And Punk then asks, what's next for CM Punk? And then randomly, Taz interrupts Punk and he says he's tired of this bullshit love fest and warns him to never mention any members of Team Taz. <laughs> and Punk, <laughs> with a smirk on his face, he's like, bruh, nobody mentioned Team Taz. <laughs> this was great stuff. So this was actually, for me, this was one of my favorite moments of the whole night. And there was a lot of them. A lot of great moments. A lot of highlights. I'm telling you, y'all. AEW, it just hits different, man. But um, <laughs> he's like, yeah, ain't nobody mentioned Team Taz. Sit down. But Taz, he would point out that Punk actually did mention Taz members in, on, in separate medias as well as on social media and whatnot. Uh, Punk then calls out the entirety of Team Taz saying, send me Ricky Starks. Send me Hook. Send me Will Hobbs. He says, beat me if you can. Survive if I let you. And of course, that's Taz's OG catchphrase from back in the day. You love to see it. And the look on Taz's face was perfect. You know, even though he's got them dark shades on, you could see the, you know, the, the anger simmering off of him, off of his face. Very, very good segment here. I gotta say, man, um... <clears throat> I absolutely love Taz as a commentator, but at the same time, I also absolutely love him as a manager, as an advocate, as a mouthpiece. He's so great at everything that he does. You know, Taz, I don't think Taz gets enough credit. You know, he's one of the unsung heroes of wrestling. I don't think he gets enough credit. When we talk about commentators and stuff, we talk about, of course, Jim Ross gets all the praise and adoration. Tony Schiavone gets all the praise and adoration. Even Excalibur, people are coming around and giving him his props. He was very missed tonight, uh, last night. Incidentally, he's away because he's off, he's getting married. So congrats to him. But, um, you know, Taz, he's one of those cats that never really gets their just dues. Um, it'll be a shame if he never gets inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I suppose that's out the window for sure now, now that he's with AEW. 
But Taz is just great, man. I just got to put him over it real quick because he's one of my all-time favorites uh, as far as commentary goes. And I never really was a super big fan of him in the ring as a wrestler. I know he has a great history in wrestling as well when he was in the ECW. And his short little run in WWF, as it was still called, while he was there. Um, one thing I will say, when I was a kid, I remember when Cypress Hill did a rendition of his song, um, I thought that was cool as hell, man. I would, I would, I would rock to it. I, Cause I, when I was a kid, I used to get all the WWE CDs, you know, all the WWF and WWE CDs. <laughs> hey, that's how you know I'm old. <laughs> I'm over here collecting CDs and shit. That's how you know I'm old. But yeah, no, nah, Taz is, he's awesome, man. He is just freaking awesome. And I miss his podcast, dude. He, Taz used to have a podcast, the Taz show. Um, on, I forgot what, it was on Spotify. I don't know the network he used to do it on, but I loved it. I miss his water break segments and all the things he did. It was funny, man. But uh, Britt Baker and her crew, they would interrupt Ruby Soho's time in the sun as she was getting interviewed uh, by Tony Schiavone. And Ruby Soho would then remind Baker that apparently she actually helped her break into the business. They go way back. Much to Tony's surprise, as well as mine. I didn't know that. That's that's news to me. Okay. Um, she then rags on her nicknames and says, You know what, Britt Baker? You call yourself all those nicknames and things and remind everyone of what you are so they don't see everything that you're not. Oof. Britt Baker. <laughs> Britt Baker absolutely buries Ruby Soho right here saying, Let's talk about your nickname for a second. The Runaway? Why don't you go run away back to catering where you spent the last four years of your life? <laughs> Mike drop. Oh my God. <laughs> Ruby. <laughs> she, of course, Ruby then begins taking off her jacket like she's ready to throw hands. Of course, because there's nothing else she could say. That was a wicked burn. That was like, oh my, that was some MJF level shit right there. That was absolutely wicked on the part of Britt Baker holy shit man um so if you get it if you know you know if you get it you get it <laughs> I don't need to explain how that's a crazy burn but nonetheless um they were there to hype up the matchup between Jamie Hayter and Ruby Soho making her singles debut you know singles in ring obviously she made her in ring debut at all out during the battle royal but tonight would be her debut in a singles match against Jamie Hayter. And I gotta say, I, I really hate how Jamie Hayter is getting fed to all these girls, man. You know, first she has to put over Chris Thalander and now Ruby Soho. I think it's it's kind of counterintuitive because, you know, Jamie Hayter has an excellent upside. That girl's a monster. Look at her. I don't need to tell you. That girl, that chick could whoop somebody's ass, man. She is strong as hell. Um, she's got the look, she's got a bright future, and she's being a jobber right now, and I'm not liking that. Um, but nonetheless, Will Hobbs takes on Dante Martin. Um, of course, before Hobbs would make his way to the ring, he would have his little face-off with CM Punk, as CM Punk was still making his way out of the ring. And Taz, <laughs> Taz on commentary, talking about, yeah, just walk away. Just keep walking, Punk. It was, it was great, man. I freaking love Taz. Um, this was a random match. This was a match that I feel like should have been on AEW Elevation. 
especially since the main event was very clearly rushed for time constraint. This is one of the segments here that I believe we could have done without, to be honest. I mean, listen, I like Hobbs and Dante Martin getting some time in the sun. They are studs, the both of them. But tonight was not the night for it, man. Um, Dante, he would manage to get Hobbs out of the ring as the match kicked off after some back and forth. But when Dante Martin goes for a suicide dive, Hobbs literally catches him by the face and then slams his face into the ring post. Yes, it was as nasty as it sounds. Hobbs would then whoop his ass around the ring, slamming him into the barricade as we go to commercial break and picture in picture. I, I gotta say, I, I feel like Picture in Picture was real heavy this episode. Commercials were real heavy this episode of Dynamite. It was very off-putting. I guess after All Out, they spent so much money. Tony Khan has been spending so much freaking money. Get used to it, guys. We're gonna be seeing a lot of commercials because they need to pay their bills. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it was just, it was overwhelming on this particular episode. Out of all the Dynamites I've seen, this one was the heaviest thus far of commercials. Just commercial after commercial, picture in picture, entire matches, seemingly. The main event, Jesus Christ, we'll, we'll get to it. But that, that was the worst of the worst right there. See, matches like this, I can get it. I can understand, but you don't do that in the main event. That's very WWE-like to cut through important matches with commercial breaks. You know, there's got to be a way around it. Nonetheless, when we come back from said commercial break, Hobbs is working Dante in an old school bear hug. You love to see it. I, I love to see the throwback, you know, wrestling matches like that, working the hold so that way the babyface could build his heroic comeback, you know, um, as the crowd is clapping. And of course he does. Dante builds his comeback and... And he would hit a gigantic dropkick off the ropes. It looked more like a foot stomp than a dropkick to Hobbs' chest. Um, the height that he got was incredible. It was like OG RVD hitting that five-star frog splash. Just incredible height. Um, Hobbs is sent out the ring once again in this matchup. And once again, Dante teases that he's going to do the big dive out the ring that everybody came to see. But this time... It's Taz's son, Hook, who is standing atop the apron, chewing gum and looking so punchable. That, that kid's got such a punchable face, which is why he's got such a bright future. Let me tell you, he's going to be a big heel, man, when the time comes. Meanwhile, Dante does a, a dive anyway, jumping over a ducking Hook to nail Hobbs with a swan tom dive out the ring. And I got to tell you right now, uh... Will Hobbs, his head bounced off the freaking mat outside. If y'all if y'all didn't catch that, go watch this match again. I urge you because I think he might have gotten a concussion from this spot, bruh. They haven't mentioned anything as of right now, as of this recording, uh, 11.22 a.m. This, uh, this Thursday. I have not heard any announcement. But Hobbs was out of it after this moment. You know, when, when Dante hit that splash, Hobbs, he, he he like, he caught him, but he didn't catch him all the way and he just fell back and his head hit the mat so hard. Like, it, it literally bounced like a basketball, bro. It was super nasty. He looked woozy. And, and nonetheless, Dante, he you know, he would send him back in the ring, hit a couple kicks in the corner. Until attempting a running move. 
Hobbs would turn it into his big powerhouse spine buster for the win. They took it home real quickly from then on. And, and even after the win, Will Hobbs looked gone. He looked gone. You know, you could see the ref was about a like motion for medical to get out there. I'm not sure if they did or not. I, he might have because after the referee was checking on Hobbs, uh, the camera cut away. You know, they started to... They cut away to the announcers. And Taz was trying to sell it like, oh, you know, Hobbs, he looked like like he got his bell rung a little bit, but it's okay because we won the match and blah, blah, blah. But nah, Hobbs looked genuinely hurt, man. He looked genuinely hurt. Um, nonetheless, Dan Lambert cuts another promo again. You know, this is another segment I think the show could have done without. In the interest of giving the main event more time, you know, Dan Lambert, I've, I've been kind of ripping on him the last few episodes, but I will I will concede that Dan Lambert is a very good promo. He is a very good promo. Even He's a great promo. But my question is, where is this going? What is the point of this? You know, what does this do for Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page? If they're not in the ring, if they're not feuding with anybody... Yeah, I mean, they assaulted the murder hawk, the murder hawk, Lance Archer. Nobody cared. Okay, what's next? <laughs> now they're just standing out there looking pretty, you know, but they need to do something. You know, this this serves no no purpose. This serves no purpose at all. I, I can get MJF cutting his long-ass promo, which we'll get to. It, it still was a little too long for my taste, but I can get it because he, you know... He set up a little mini feud with Brian Pillman, perhaps. You know, um, he's going to elevate Pillman, hopefully. You know, um, of course, MJF is going to defeat him. But even in defeat, it should elevate Pillman. I could get CM Punk cutting a promo in the ring. That sets up a little mini feud with Team Taz. He's going to go through the Taz members. You know what I'm saying? It makes sense. But Dan Lambert cutting this promo with his boys, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page... What does this do? What did this accomplish? Absolutely nothing. I don't care about Ethan Page and Scorpio more than I did before this guy showed up. I don't care about them. You know, and Ethan Page, it's funny because he had a lot of hype, you know, when he when he made his debut. I, f I forget which event it was. I, it was at a pay-per-view event, I believe. I, I want to say Revolution. Oh, I don't know. Double or nothing even, perhaps. I think it might have been double or nothing. He, he was in a buy-in match, I believe. Uh, a battle royal for the men, I believe. And I don't know. The point is, he had a lot of hype, you know, surrounding his debut. And now, it's a complete afterthought. He has accomplished nothing. He has done nothing. He has formed a little team with... He's formed an alliance with Scorpio Sky for whatever reason. And it's doing nothing. You know, Scorpio Sky, man, he has no personality. Ethan Page, to me, has no personality. I'm just seeing Dan Lambert speaking on their behalf and it's doing nothing. It's accomplishing nothing. And I, I just got a rant about this because I'm just so upset that the main event of this show got a lot of time cut away from it for shit like this, you know? Dan Lambert, come on, man. Ain't nobody care. And speaking of nobody caring, Matt Hardy and Orange Cassidy. They had a small feature in a pre-tape backstage segment with Orange Cassidy saying, Matt Hardy wants to cut my hair. Whatever. 
Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm not even going to talk about it. Let's, let's get to MJF, because he cuts one of the most savage promos I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> I'm dramatic, okay? I'm Latino. I'm dramatic. This promo went on far too long for my liking. It, as I mentioned, but holy shit, man. It was savage. This was the epitome of savage promos. He claimed Jericho won the match due to extreme bias against him and that everybody in the back wants to be him. Um... He then just started ripping on Cincinnati for like the next several minutes. <laughs> he called he called it Shitcinnati. The Cincinnati, Ohio is the biggest dumpster fire in the entire in the entire world, according to MJF. It's called the Midwest because everything about it is mid. He gets the proverbial cheap heat making fun of their sports team. Says every single person who lives there is mid. Um, he then taunts the crowd Telling them What are you guys gonna do about it You're getting mad Come in here Come in here So I could whoop your ass You know In his own words <laughs> He calls everybody cowards He then walks up On Ann Linda And you know He taunts another fan He's like I'm looking at you 16 and pregnant <laughs> Next to Linda Is Brian Pillman's daughter MJF taunts her too, you know, um, as she announces in front of the crowd that she's the daughter of Brian Pillman. He says, oh, well, that explains the way you look. <laughs> this is fucking savage, dude. Oh, my God. And even <laughs> and even as he was clowning uh, Pillman's daughter and Linda, the old lady next to her, she, had that <laughs> she was even impressed with MJF's roast. Like she had that look on her face, like, "Oh shit, <laughs> what he just say? <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> oh my god, so it's crazy, man." Well, Brian Pillman Jr. It culminates with him hitting the stage and confronting MJF. He says, you might be from luxurious Long Island, but I'm from the streets of Cincinnati. Welcome to the jungle. And uh, <laughs> MJF. <laughs> oh, my God. MJF says, <laughs> it's too bad your, dr your drug addicted mother, Methany. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe he said that on TV. And of course. Brian Pillman would hit the ring, ready to beat the brakes off of MJF for calling his mom a druggie, calling her methany. He's like, no, I meant, I meant, um, uh, malady or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, much to the chagrin of, uh, well, <clears throat> much to the chagrin of Wardlow, he would be protecting MJF, not letting, um, not letting Brian Pillman Jr. get his hands on on him. And of course, MJF would tell Wardlow, you gonna help me like you did last Sunday, huh? You know, and, and Wardlow had that look on his face like he was ready to smash on MJF too. But even more so than Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> and MJF just got finished roasting the Pillman family, you know what I'm saying? But Wardlow looks more intense. You know, he's more believable. Like he'll whoop MJF's ass in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? But nonetheless, MJF would tell Wardlow to stand in the corner and look pretty. And um, ultimately, uh, he gets in Pillman's face and tells him, you know, he, he better leave the ring, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, he takes another low blow, another cheap shot at his family. And finally, uh, Pillman would take MJF to the ground and start pounding on him. But then uh, Wardlow gets him off, you know, and suplexes him. And, um, and yeah, that sets up a little mini feud, I suppose, with MJF and, and Brian Pillman Jr. Okay, I'm, I'm ready for it. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a long-term deal, but it, it'll get the Pillman name out there you know I mean his his father was a legend um you know loose cannon yeah man um MJF just the real story here is just that crazy promo I just I mean the stuff that they're allowed to say on TV you know I guess because I I just been so accustomed to WWE's PG garbage. That now when I hear stuff like Shitsinati and Methany and, you know what I mean, your drug-addicted mom, shit like that, I never thought I'd hear on TV again in a, on, in a wrestling promotion, you know, on a wrestling show. This is like Attitude Era stuff. It really is. It's crazy. I don't even think they said anything like that in the Attitude Era, you know what I mean? You know, referencing drug addiction and stuff like that. I don't know. You know what I mean? I know, I know, a matter of fact, I know Brian Pillman Jr.'s father himself, Brian Pillman, the loose cannon, he pulled out a gun on national TV on an episode of Monday Night Raw back in the day. So that, that probably is the, the one that takes the whole bakery, really. You know what I'm saying? Um, but nonetheless, and that, by the way, that gun segment, that was not in the ring. That was not out in the arena. That was in his house. It was like some kind of pre-taped um segment you know with the loose cannon being a loose cannon uh nonetheless hey man they should totally do something like that with brian pillman jr man they should make him another loose cannon and just have him go wild i mean that's that's actually one of the flaws i would say with this segment is that when mjf told wardlow to go stand in the corner and look pretty and he got out the way come on man in real life I, I mean, I would beat the brakes off of somebody calling my mom a drug addict. You know what I mean? Once that guy moves, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it kind of took you out of it. Because I, I was expecting Brian Pillman to, like, really beat the brakes off of MJF after that. You know, once he once Warlow got out the way, that really should have been when M, uh, Pillman Jr. rushed MJF and just started smashing on him. You know what I mean? But, um... I mean, what can you say? It's wrestling. You know what I mean? They, they got to work. They got to work their angle here. And, and, of course, MJF had to, you know, put the chef's kiss to the whole ordeal. And then, ultimately, he would finally retaliate once again. Um, that, that segment went on a little too long for my taste, man. Jamie Hayter takes on the Women's Casino Battle Royal winner, Ruby Soho. And, uh, once again, I don't like Jamie Hayter taking losses like this. You know, she herself barely made her debut not too long ago and i feel like she should be booked a lot stronger than what she is you know um she looks legit she looks like she's could legitimately beat up <laughs> some of the women's wrestlers of aew especially riho <laughs> we'll get to um ruby nailed jamie hater with some knee strikes that that looked good they would exchange some arm stretches with ruby nailing hater with some jabs to the face then Hater would toss Ruby to the ropes like a kid tossing a frisbee. And just as the match started to pick up, it started to pick up some steam. We cut to the damn picture in picture. Once again, we go to commercials during this match. 
and it immediately makes me care even less about this match than I already did to begin with. You know what I mean? Um, of course, during Picture in Picture, they would brawl outside. Um, Hater uh, ripped up a fan sign of some sort. I don't know what it said. Couldn't see what it said because we're in freaking Picture in Picture. You can't see anything, you know? Um, nonetheless, Ruby Soho would mount a comeback as we come back from commercial break. She would even hit a tornado DDT for the near fall. Hater would put Ruby on her shoulders. And I don't know what this was supposed to be. I don't know what was supposed to happen from this, from here. But Ruby, she like bent all the way backwards while she was on Hater's shoulders. Causing causing them to fall, of course, you know. But of course, Hater was a pro. She sold it like if, um, like if Ruby executed some kind of reversal i mean i mean even even jr was like trying to save it he was like oh that's some innovative offense there from ruby <laughs> like no no mr ross that was a botch very clearly a botch that was not supposed to happen i don't know what the hell ruby soho was going for um yeah i have no idea nonetheless ruby soho picks up the win with uh, some kind of back kick. I'm assuming that's her finisher. I didn't really watch much of her in WWE. If I'm being honest. I'm assuming that's her finisher. A little back kick. Um, yeah. I, it, it would just send. Of course Britt Baker and, and Rebel would hit the ring. And then um, <clears throat> Chris Statlander would make the save. After Riho attempted a save but couldn't do it. <laughs> Chris Statlander would clean house with a steel chair. Um. After their matchup at All Out, I feel like Chris Statlander is much more deserving to continue feuding with Britt Baker as opposed to just inserting Ruby Soho into the title picture already. I mean, I get it. I get Ruby Soho won the Casino Battle Royal, which constitutes that she gets a title shot at Britt Baker whenever she... I don't know if it's whenever she wants or whenever the company decides. I don't know how that works. It's not like money in the bank where you get cash in whenever, wherever. But obviously, I, I just feel like Ruby Soho is going to have to show me something, man. Because I'm not feeling her so far, honestly. I mean, her her little return or well, her debut in the Casino Battle Royal, that was a, a cool moment for sure. And my girlfriend even liked it. She, 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 says she, she got the chills. She don't even know who she is. But for me, I'm not impressed with Ruby. I'm not. And she's going to have to show me something because right now Britt Baker is firing on all cylinders and she needs a good opponent. And I just don't think Ruby Soho is the one as of yet. And she could be in time. But right now, I think Chris Statlander should continue to feud. I mean, when she came out in clean house with that steel chair, she looked much more legit, much more credible. And she had a very good match with Britt Brit Baker at All Out as well. Riho coming back. And, and why is Riho... Like, I don't know, like aligning herself with 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 Ruby right of uh, <laughs> Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. That's, that's again, that's another random like team they're forming. You know, AEW. As much as I love this company and their programs and everything that they do, it's amazing. But I feel like they need a chill with all these alliances right like all these teams all these factions all these multi-man matches and stuff like chill bruh chill you know that's why it's like everybody's talking about hangman adam page 
and his eventual return and they're saying he's gonna you know take control of the dark order um and you know i feel like first of all adam page doesn't need the dark order he's better than that let the dark order die already please you know like i'm just i've had it with all these factions and all these teams and stuff it, you know it's too much it's just like if i don't know man i feel like some guys like adam page for an example should be a lone wolf that doesn't need backup because he's a badass he does cowboy shit you know what i'm saying he's like the lone ranger and in the case of riho coming in riho looks like a little kid man I've said it before, I'll say it again. I, I, I might get flack for it, but to me, Riho looks like an underage kid that does not belong near a wrestling ring. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It, it just, it's cringy to me. You know, you look at her in the same ring with the likes of Jamie Hayter and Chris Statlander. You know, it, it's worse than when you see Marco Stunt in there with Luchasaurus. You know, they, they look like kids. You should put Marco Stunt and, and Riho together in a team. That would look like it works because they both look like underage kids. And I don't mean to, you know, rag on them like that. But I'm just, I mean, from my perspective, man, it, it just is cringy to me. Um, and I'm, I'm a little salty as well that <laughs> that they're jobbing my girl, Jamie Hayter, out like that. I put her over big when she initially debuted and now she's over here jobbing. Um, Ruby Soho did not look good in this match. Hopefully, <clears throat> hopefully she recovers and really... Uh, shows what she can do in that trios match. Here we go. Once again, with the teams, they're going to have a trios match. I believe Rampage this Friday. Um, you know, it'll be Ruby Soho, Riho, Chris Steinlander taking on Britt Baker and her crew. And I really hope that Ruby put on a good show. We cut to a video package hyping up a match between Ricky Starks and Brian Cage. I, I don't... I don't have an opinion on this. I don't really care. You know, Team Taz, <laughs> it's so funny. I just told you that I feel like AEW has way too many teams, way too many factions and alliances, right? Except the funny thing about that is Team Taz is the one faction that I think shouldn't be breaking up right now. And that's the one faction that they are seemingly breaking well the dark order they're they're imploding right before our eyes and i i don't think nobody cares about that but team taz is the one faction that i that i really feel should not be breaking up this soon you know and i don't know i guess they didn't know what else to do with them so they just it's lazy booking they just reverted to an old pastime oh well we'll have dissension in the ranks and that's not good man you know but um We'll see. We'll see what comes of this. Ricky Stars is clearly going to go over Brian Cage, so he's going to have a feud with Punk. And, hey, that, that should be a good feud. Punk and Starks. From what I hear, this Starks kid is very, very charismatic. I haven't seen too much of him, but um, a lot of people compare him to The Rock for some reason. That's a weird one. I don't see it, but okay. <laughs> we get a we get a trios match, of course. Pinnacle Stablemates, FTR and Sean Spears versus the dark orders Stu grayson evil uno and john silver this is a continuation of the dark orders aforementioned inevitable collapse their implosion which i'm just gonna cut right to the end of the match here because i don't think anybody actually cares about this match the pinnacle win the bout via a death valley driver from sean spears sean spears 
actually nabs a W on national TV. <laughs> I never thought I'd see it. Dark Order, in the post-match, they brawl out in what JR described as a Dark Order Civil War. And a wild Tay Conti or Ty Conti and Anna Jay appear on stage. Uh, why? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I know that uh, Anna Jay has affiliation with the Dark Order, but what the hell does Ty Connie have to do with any of this? That's To me, that's very random. Just a reason to put them on TV. Uh, they were just standing there looking pretty useless. Um, nonetheless, that's, that's all I got on that. And speaking of standing around looking useless, we got Sammy Guevara coming out on stage and we cut to commercial break. Now this one I get, you know, during the commercial break, Sammy Guevara does his 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 shtick, which is holding up the signs so that we can read it, you know, at home. The fans could just read it. Um, and, it, and it's, it, it, he says nothing notable. It's just basically one big advertisement for his YouTube channel. You know, he does them, them blogs. It's actually quite good though. I'll be honest. I actually have seen them recently. I've seen his vlogs and I've seen the elite. I've seen, um, who's the other one I saw recently? I know there was another one I saw recently. I can't remember. Um, the Young Bucks. Well, yeah, the Elite. The, the, I've, I've been seeing their blogs. Um, and they're actually entertaining. They are entertaining. Um, <clears throat> nonetheless, yeah, it was just an, ad an advertisement for that. He also put over Fuego del Sol. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's that. Back from break, we cut to the Varsity Blondes backstage. Brian Pillman Jr. hypes up his upcoming matchup with MJF. The Acclaimed then appear. Max Caster says he also politicked to Tony, Tony Khan. And he got a he got a match with them as well this Friday coming up. So I'm glad I'm happy to see um <clears throat> I'm real happy to see Max Caster on TV again, man. He deserves it. He cut a freaking epic promo. Oh my god, on the episode of Dark that preceded All Out, I think it was. Wow, this kid is something else, and he looks good. I I think while he was suspended, he was he was at hit in the gym every day. He looks shredded, man. Um, I cannot wait to see the acclaimed also become tag team champs at some point down the line. Tony Khan interviews the elite. Now, <clears throat> this right here is the only segment thus far that I would not have cut in any way whatsoever. I would leave it as is. The Hobbs match was unnecessary. That Dan Lambert promo was beyond unnecessary. The MJF promo went on a little too long for my taste. But this segment right here was critical. It was probably the most important portion of the show. Because this right here is what everybody was going to tune in for. Because we all know, we all knew that Brian Danielson would confront Kenny Omega um callus he would begin he would gloat about his boy omega being pwi's number one pro wrestler in the world today via the pwi 500 he's been number one at my highlight reel rankings as well for a minute and i've been saying kenny omega <laughs> is the best wrestler let me let me tout let me toot my own horn okay i like being right sometimes <laughs> i've been saying kenny omega is the best wrestler in the world what you mean you don't need PWI to tell you that. You, you got the highlight reel. They bring out Adam Cole. And once again, when he does his Adam Cole baby shtick, 
It was absolutely thunderous, man. Every single soul in that arena did the chant with him. You love to see it. <clears throat> Adam Cole tells Tony Schiavone, I know you and Britt Baker are good friends, but you even look at her a certain way and I'll slap those glasses off your face and whoop your ass. <laughs> he then kicks Tony. Tony Schiavone's face was perfect right here. He's so great. But he um he kicks Tony out the ring, calling him a nerd multiple times. Like, get out the ring, nerd. It is funny because as he says that, you got the Bucks and Kenny Omega in the background looking so goddamn goofy with them <laughs> with them like Hawaiian shirts and shit. <laughs> you wanna talk about nerds? Come on, man. <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> but um nonetheless, Adam Cole puts over the elite. Um, you know, saying everybody should be thanking them because now the elite is complete. Hey, this company is called All Elite Wrestling after all. So perhaps he has a point in that regard. Also, it is announced that Adam Cole will compete next week. As he says, you'll see just how elite I am next week. And um, that's cool, man. You know. Kenny, he talks about being interrupted at the pay-per-view. And voila, Brian interrupts him before he could even continue. Um, and we get the craziest moment ever as Kenny and Brian go face-to-face -face in the ring. He told, you know, Kenny Omega would actually tell his crew to get out of the ring. And, you know, he says, I, I got this. And, you know, Danielson grabs a microphone and he says, quick question. Do you guys want to see Brian Danielson fight Kenny Omega? The yes chants fill the air. Kenny says, it doesn't work like that here in AEW. Brian says, you're afraid to face me because you know that I'm better than you and you're not on my level. Kenny, he then gets in his face. They begin throwing hands, much to my surprise. I didn't think they would actually touch each other. Um, Kenny, he shoots for he shoots for a takedown. Brian gets him in the lapel lock. Oh my God. Of course, Omega's goons hit the ring, stomping a mud hole on Brian until Jurassic Express, Christian, and Kazarian run in for the save and clean house. Brian, uh, incidentally, Brandon Cutler would eat the running knee, the patented running knee from D. Bry, or formerly known as D. Bry, <laughs> to close the segment. My goodness, my goodness. If this episode of, of Dynamite doesn't get the highest ratings yet, I'll be very surprised. That segment is what everybody wanted to see. After All Out, you wanted to see some interaction between Brian Danielson and the Elite, and we got it. We got it. So I, I'm I'm actually very interested to see what the ratings look like for Dynamite this past, well, last night. Man, you know, like I said, like I hinted at at the top of the show, I don't, I don't know where or when this match is going to take place. But Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, that's, that's going to be a match for the ages. You know, this is going to be... AJ Styles, Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom all over again. You know what I mean? This is going to be... I, I don't know. This is going to be a crazy match. This is going to be like Lucha Bros and Young Bucks all over again. You know, but in a singles match. I mean, that's how good this match is going to be. I can't stress that. Um, it remains to be seen where I, I get the feeling that at Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York, September 22nd, 
I get the feeling that Brian Danielson, that's where he's going to have his first match. And it's probably going to be in a trios match against Kenny Omega and his crew. It'll probably be, I'm guessing, um, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, and I, I suppose Kazarian or maybe Jungle Boy gets that nice little rub to be included. Or how they could make, I suppose they could make it an elimination, make it a five on five or like a Survivor Series match, you know, with the whole crews getting in there. Um, I, I wouldn't care to see that, to be honest. But I mean, hey, just to see Brian Danielson in action again would be dope. But I'm, I'm thinking that's what's going to happen because we got to keep in mind full gear pay-per-view is still going down, coming up. What is it, November? So, you know, they got to they gotta save some stuff for that big pay-per-view. Um, you know, it, it, I, I actually posed the question, what is AEW's version of WrestleMania? What's their big event? But you know what? The more I look at it, every event AEW does is a big event. There is no one single marquee event because they only run four pay-per-views a year. So every every one of these events are, you know, it's like WWE has always had the big four, right? WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and what, Survivor Series, I suppose? Um, so this is, that's their version. You know what I mean? Like, AEW, all of their events are marquee events. These are the big four. You know, hopefully they never expand to having a pay-per-view every single month. That's overkill. It's, you know, I mean, at, at least as far as them doing it with this old school pay-per-view model. WWE, I get it because they have the network now. You just pay your $9.99 subscription on Peacock, you know, and see the events. But with this, as long as this old school pay-per-view model is in place, I like that AEW just keeps it short and sweet with four pay-per-views a year. No mas. You know, that's good. Um, yeah, man, big hype, big hype. That was an excellent segment. The main event pops off John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki, and I've been pouting about it the whole episode thus far. This match, it just would have been much more enjoyable had they been given more time. They really missed the mark here on time management. I gotta say it. You know, these badasses, they trade forearms, punches, slaps, and kicks in the middle of the ring. It starts getting hectic as the fans begin chanting, Let's go, Moxley! Let's go! Clap, clap, clap! And we cut to a commercial break. <laughs> you can hear me exhaling in the background. <laughs> I'm mad! Come on, man. This is the main event. We got a legendary Japanese badass, Angry Grandpa, versus one of the one of the baddest men on the planet, one of the baddest dudes there is, John Moxley in his hometown. The match starts heating up, and they go to commercial break. Man, we get picture in picture. This is so WWE ish, man. You know. That's how WWE does. They, 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 during important matches, they'll cut a commercial and, you know, it makes the match feel not important at all. While the commentators talk about something completely irrelevant. You know what I mean? I mean, they didn't do that here in AEW, but I'm just saying the cutting to commercials is so off-putting during a main event matchup like this. Um, I can cut some slack on the undercard matches, having picture in picture. It's still annoying, but I can get that, but not on the main event. You know, not when you have these guys duking it out. 
they take the fight outside of the ring during picture in picture. That seems to be the tradition. Whenever they cut, I guess the ref tells them we're on commercial break and they take it outside. You know, Suzuki, he gets the upper hand for a little bit. Um, Moxley would get a near fall off a suplex. They start trading bites to the face. That, that's another flaw. I'm not a big fan of, of biting spots. You know, it just looks silly to me, man. It, it just looks, I don't know. Biting each other's faces. Come on, man. You know, that's. I mean, are you guys. Are you 12? Are you kids? I mean, even when I was a kid, I didn't bite no about nobody. When I fought, you know what I mean? I don't know, man. Just seems silly to me. They also start trading headbutts, but the last headbutt that they hit simultaneously, they both go for it and they don't even land it, man. They don't connect. It looks very weak, but they sold it nonetheless. Like if they. You know what I mean? Like, they got their bell rung. <laughs> Nobody got their bell rung there. You know what I mean? And, and I know, taking a headbutt ain't no fun. You know, I know. But look, it's very possible to make a headbutt spot look good. And this was not it. Suzuki goes for a sleeper hold. Moxley would hit a paradigm shift out of nowhere upon getting out of it. Suzuki is now busted open from his right eye. I don't know how he got that. Um, it definitely wasn't from that headbutt earlier. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Um, he would actually hit a very nice drop kick on Moxley um, before Mox would give him a two-piece and a biscuit. Did a double arm hook suplex, and that's what he won the match with. A double arm, a double underhook suplex. You know, the commentators call it a paradigm shift. That was not a paradigm shift. <laughs> that was a, a double underhook suplex. You know, a paradigm shift is supposed to be like an impaler. You know, with a you hook the double arms and it's like in a DDT. It looks more devastating like that. Almost like a brain buster. That was not no paradigm shift. That was a double underhook suplex. But nonetheless, you know, it is what it is. Um, that main event had some flaws. Uh, mainly that it was just cut too short. That's the main problem here. But I get it. They wanted John Moxley to have his time in the sun, you know what I'm saying, uh, with his fans and, you know, walking all over the arena. And it was a nice shot at the end, what closed the show when he walked back up into the stands. And there was somebody holding a sign that said, um, Ohio is Moxley country. And Moxley was posing while that fan was holding that sign right there in the background. That was the money shot. That was perfect. That's exactly how you want to end this show. It couldn't have gone better in that respect. But just that match, man. That was terrible. They should have got more time. Certain spots in that match were not good. But what can you say? Both of these guys are highly respected. I definitely would not, you know, say any of this in front of Moxley. <laughs> I ain't trying to die today. I like my life. Um, overall, awesome show in spite of the main event being cut a little short. AW really missed the mark on time management, like I said, but it was still a fantastic show, all things considered. And two hours absolutely fly by. I gotta tell you, this show does not feel like it's two hours long. Wow. You know, it's it's been such a long time. That a wrestling show feels like it flies by so fast. Because I, I, I got so used to WWE where it just, oh my god. It feels like 
it's never gonna end it just keeps going and nothing really has substance because it's always the same shit you know we get rematches a pay-per-view just happened we get a bunch of rematches on free tv the next night with shenanigans and just garbage aew programming is so refreshing you know and this episode demonstrates that we, we, we i just sat through a two-hour show twice I watched it last night initially, and then I watched it again this morning. I woke up early in the morning and rewatched Dynamite once again for the sake of this review. And and if it did not feel like it was two hours long, I felt like I sat through an episode of Rampage instead of an episode of Dynamite. It just flows so smoothly and quickly, and it's a lot of fun. Two thumbs up, man. Dynamite with another great episode, AEW. You know, they're hit, they're hitting the mark. They just got they just missed the mark on time management. But other than that, they really put on some entertaining stuff. I'm going to get to the news right after this. Minoru Suzuki apparently needed 7 stitches following his matchup with the madman John Moxley. This is according to fellow Japanese star Emi Sakura who posted a ba- is it Emi Sakura or Emi Sakurai? I don't know. Somebody correct me. <laughs> underscore THR on the gram. Hey, I just look for a perfect moment to plug my Instagram and Twitter. I need them followers. <laughs> I got like 17. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so Emi Sakurai posted a backstage video of Suzuki uh, getting attended to by the AEW medical staff. I'm guessing... Uh, Sakurai also has one of them YouTube vlogs that everybody has these days. Everybody and their grandmama. Um, Suzuki was getting treated by AEW medical staff, as I mentioned. And they had a brief exchange in which a Japanese uh, fan on Twitter, or a fan on Twitter, translated. I don't know if he was a Japanese, he or she was a Japanese fan or not, but they translated their conversation. Apparently, Sakura said, Mr. Suzuki, how was Moxley? And <laughs> Suzuki said, you're annoying, go away. <laughs> and that's actually exactly how I would, how I would imagine him to, to talk. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, um, like I said, that main event, it, it really messed up the show because I feel like it would have made this show a lot better if that main event was given some more time in the sun, a more drag down, beat em up matchup. They could have put on something special, and I think we all were anticipating that. But instead, the match was cut short due to time constraints, which kind of made the episode of Dynamite fall flat a little bit. I personally enjoyed it. I personally thought it was a great episode, in spite of those nagging flaws. You know, let's, let's remember, people, AEW is still a young promotion, guys. Just two years old, okay? They don't, they don't, they haven't been in this business for 30 years not even a decade not even five years they're just getting started so they're they're gonna learn along the way trial and error and last night dynamite it was one of those trials and errors you know they gotta manage time a little bit better you know it felt like a very wwe like episode with all the promos and stuff you know in, in that respect but the promos were great, unlike WWE promos. They were great. They felt very, very juicy. Like, there was a lot of juice. There was a lot of meat on them bones, you know? They were creating 
rivalries, MJF and Pillman Jr., CM Punk and Team Taz. I mean, you had Tully Blanchard uh, calling out Darby Allin. I don't even think I touched on that. That's very random, <laughs> but okay. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. Triple H undergoes heart surgery after a quote-unquote cardiac event. Uh, WWE would announce yesterday that Triple H underwent a successful procedure at Yale New Haven Hospital in New Haven, Connecticut last week. The operation was needed after said cardiac event, which was caused by a genetic heart issue. Okay, so they, they also updated us that Triple H is expected to make a full recovery as per WWE. So, I, I have never heard the term cardiac event before. I'm assuming he had a heart attack. So, that's what I'm assuming. I mean, either way, anything to do with heart issues, that ain't no joke. That ain't nothing to fuck with. That ain't nothing to scoff at or to make jokes about or to lighten the mood in any kind of way. So, I'm just really glad that the surgery did go well at least according to wwe and triple h is gonna recover i will say i will say uh and i hope this doesn't sound sleazy on my part i'm not trying to sensationalize this or anything but i'm just gonna say it that i do find it extremely ironic that we come from this big news that nxt which is the brainchild of Triple H, at least in the way that it's ran, the way that it's booked, the, the type of programs they put together. NXT is getting a complete rehaul. They're going to just completely change everything about it. Um, and what a coincidence that Triple H then has this cardiac event. Uh, I'm assuming it's a heart attack. I don't know. I'm just saying... I find that very strange, you know, and perhaps the two don't coincide at all, you know, and it really is a, a genetic uh, heart issue. Um, that is very odd. I mean, of all the years that Triple H has been in the game, I've never heard of him having any heart issues in the past. The only time he ever had to go undergo surgery was for his knee, for his body, you know, from matches, wear and tear injuries sustained in the ring i never ever heard of triple h having heart issues genetic genetic heart issues i'm just throwing that out there man you know that's a very sad thing and that's crazy to think about as well i just hope triple h overcomes this and it seems that he is so everybody send your good energy positive thoughts his way the booker man booker t is making money moves that's right his wrestling school slash promotion reality of wrestling has a brand new tv deal row announced they will begin airing their weekly wrestling show in nearly 50 markets starting sunday september 18th as part of their partnership with the cw ABC, The Action Channel, Roku TV, and Right Now TV. You gotta love it. Man, that is that is tremendous for Booker T, man. And I'm so proud of him and what he's doing. I don't agree with the, with some of his takes. I'm still a little butthurt over his CM Punk take. You know, he, he pretty much 
you know, he's, he, he painted CM Punk's promo like if he just ripped on WWE for 20 minutes. That was not the case. You know damn well you're trying to get clicks on your podcast. That's all that was. But I love Booker T, man. Um, he's one of my all-time favorites growing up, um, watching him in WCW um, and everything that he's done. And I'm just so happy for him. This is excellent news. And, you know, I got to say, the reality of wrestling they have produced some very good talents. Hey, Sammy Guevara, the Spanish God. He's an ROW. I want to say ROH. He's an ROW alumni. You know what I'm saying? Um, I there's there's several people in WWE who came from ROW in some form or fashion. Whether they started there or they wrestled there and at different times, you know. So they have produced some good workers. Uh, bottom line. You know what I mean? Um, hey, uh, Roxy. Roxy, she's currently a ROH wrestler, right? I think she just signed a new contract with them as well. She's one of the youngest and brightest young wrestling talents in the world right now. Roxy, she came from ROW. So, hey, man. You know what I mean? ROW, they're, they're uh, making noise. You love to see it. AEW owner Tony Khan signs a brand new talent. One Lee Moriarty. As I mentioned at the top of the pod, this came at the last tapings of AEW Dark Elevation, which preceded last night's episode of Dynamite. Uh, Lee had a match with Daniel Garcia. Apparently, two young technical studs in the ring um, put on a classic, and it impressed Mr. Khan so much that he came out on stage, called Lee Moriarty out on stage, and offered him an AEW contract right there on the spot. Much to the delight of the fans who were chanting, Lee, 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 Lee. And of course, Lee Moriarty accepted. Welcome to the big leagues. Welcome to TNT where the big boys play, son. And I cannot wait to see Lee Moriarty and and, uh, Daniel Garcia. These young studs, man. Technical wrestlers. You know, modern day Lance Storm and and, uh, Chris Benoit type wrestlers. You know, just technical and, and really good in the ring. And hopefully, Lee Moriarty does some big things in AEW. WWE wanted to turn Adam Cole into a manager. Or advocate, as they call it, in that company. So, this is according to a new report that's come out. uh, As per the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer, that not only WWE wanted to re-sign Adam Cole to a multi-year deal... They wanted to turn him into a manager for a heel, Keith Lee. Adam Cole said the decision to join AEW over the WWE main roster was a fairly easy one. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. You know what I'm saying? They wanted to make one of the best wrestlers in the world today, bar none, into a, a smart mouth manager. You know what I mean? A little manager hiding behind the big guy, Keith Lee. That was literally their idea, according to Dave Meltzer. Um, They wanted to change Adam Cole's name uh, since Michael Cole is still a prominent WWE commentator on on multiple programs. So they wanted to change Adam Cole's name so there isn't two Coles on the show. And, uh, you know, knowing WWE and their lazy asses, they probably just would have removed Cole, you know, and just made him Adam. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like... They've done so many other people over the years. I mean, Antonio Cesaro, he's now Cesaro. Uh, I remember uh, 
I think Buddy Murphy was just Murphy. You know what I mean? Andrade Cien Almas became just Andrade. You know, um, who else? Biggie, Biggie Langston became just Big E. Which, by the way, the, La the Langston last name is cool, man. That's a cool last name. It sounds like a strong last name. You know, like anybody named Langston is going to be a strong motherfucker, man. <laughs> I'm just playing, man. But yeah, so... Wow. Imagine that, man. You know, I'm going to say something that might be uh, a minority opinion, maybe a weird take, but that's not a bad idea, though. For Adam Cole to be a mouthpiece for somebody, except not yet. I would say way down the line when he hangs up his boots and he's not wrestling no more. That could be a good role for him in the future. But not right now. <laughs> not when he's still in the prime of his career. This was going to be basically Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley all over again. The, the, same, the same theory. You know, the same theory. It was going to be the little guy, Adam Cole... You know, hiding behind Keith Lee with, you know, a little guy with a big mouth, you know, trying to put over the monster Keith Lee. Which, incidentally, I personally think it's a terrible idea to turn Keith Lee heel as well. The guy is way too likable. And it's too soon. And he hasn't... Uh, come on, man. I don't, I don't understand WWE, man. I don't get them. I don't think I'll ever get them. Uh, it's just... It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. This whole story, really, if it's true... If it's true, you know, uh, when it comes to dirt sheets and their reports, even if it is a refutable one like Dave Meltzer, who's pretty consistent for the most part on his reports. Um, I mean, he's been covering this business for uh, wow, well over 25 plus years. You know, I, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. But that is out of control. If it's true that they, they wanted to turn Adam Cole into a manager, that is bananas. That's like... Oh man, I, I I can't even come up with a good analogy, man. That's like, you know, Floyd Mayweather when he was in his prime, you know, like in the in the mid two thousands, turning him into uh, a manager for other fighters. How are you gonna do that? Like turn Mike Tyson into a manager in his prime. How are you gonna do that? I mean, Adam Cole is that good. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm telling you right now. That is bananas. And speaking of bananas, contractual issues are stirring up heat backstage in WWE, particularly NXT, as apparently Adam Cole's contract expiring at the time that it did, and Cole subsequently showing up at AEW All Out, caught everybody in WWE management off guard. It caught everyone by surprise, and apparently Pete Dunne is another talent <clears throat> whose contract is up, and him re-signing with WWE is up in the air. It's pertinent to note that Kevin Owens' contract is up on January of 2022. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, January next year. And in a few months, KO could possibly become a free agent. And more importantly, could possibly become All Elite. Incidentally, it was one Malachi Black who for some reason had a 30-day non-compete clause in his contract instead of the typical WWE 90-day non-compete clause. And this is what really prompted WWE management originally to review many of the talent contracts they have to make sure nothing else slipped underneath their nose. This is according to Wrestling Inc. 
Um, and according to Wrestling Inc., there is a quote-unquote internal belief within WWE that Kevin Owens is leaving the company. You want to talk about roster of the ages. Oh my God. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, at some point, AEW has to chill out. Tony Khan has to chill out, man, with all these signings. It's just getting out of control now. I mean, really, real talk. It's getting out of control. You know, um, we'll see if they develop this business model where they rotate everybody they give some of their big stars time off this is their model right where they can this is how wrestlers can get time off because they have so many that when you have so many it's not gonna hurt when a lot of them are not even there anymore for a certain amount of time because they have backups to fill those roles and i understand that but at the same time I'm just worried about the homegrowns. I'm worried about the Darby Allens, the Jungle Boys, the Orange Cassidy's, the Adam Pages of the world. You know, I'm getting worried, man. And, and, and again, you know, it remains to be seen how this business model develops because it is a unique business model in professional wrestling. And if it's done correctly, this could change the business forever. It really, it, it's a big deal. You know, when have you heard of WWE allowing wrestlers time off? And, you know, the only time wrestlers get time off in WWE is when they get injured. And they gotta, you know, they gotta rehab their injuries. It's like CM Punk said on the Art of Wrestling podcast that I still listen to every once in a while to this very day. CM Punk would actually get excited when he'd get injured. Like, yes, I'm gonna get some fucking time off. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a break. Thank God. Like hell yeah, you know, my fucking my my ribs are broken. Fuck yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get some time off. I need surgery on my knee. Hell yeah. I'm going to get some time off. Like wow. That is bananas. So AEW is changing the game, man. It is changing the game, but it remains to be seen if this business model will work. And nonetheless, hey man, Kevin Owens AEW signed me up, brother. What what do you want me to say? I'm down for it. I'm ready. My body is ready. <laughs> Kevin Owens versus Kenny Omega. Kevin Owens versus Brian Cage even. Kevin Owens and CM Punk trading words on the mic. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. You know, this is uh heating up, baby. This is looking good. And I'm excited for the future of AEW. I want to thank y'all very much for tuning in to the Highlight Reel. I will be back Saturday for the Rampage Review. I'm sure it's going to be an epic show. I cannot wait to see Andrade and Pac. I want to see Andrade beat the brakes off of Pac for having their match canceled at All Out. Um, you know, it's going to be a fun time, a fun show. I heard they tore the freaking house down. Of course, it was it was taped already, so... I heard they tore the freaking house down. Well, I'll have to wait and see. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, damn, I forgot what day it was. <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to wash your hands. Don't forget to wash your ass. Tip your waitresses. I'm out.